0: What is up, fellow Thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you solo to talk some NBA trade deadline. We had some moves that happened, and I scheduled um, a bunch of different live streams. I had to keep moving them back because uh, it turns out that um, you you all know I cover the NBA full-time for Bleach Report, that, hey, I actually had to write about these trades, which are both um, just super-duper incredibly fascinating. So if you were sitting there waiting um i appreciate you sitting there waiting um let's talk about them though we'll give people some stragglers a few minutes to come in here so i will very quickly just remind you to subscribe to us if you're checking us out for the first time if you're on youtube subscribe like comment help the algorithm love us back subscribe to us on any podcast player that you use apple spotify stitcher google play that helps out a ton reviews and ratings on apple do help out a ton when it comes to the charts and exposure for us too um, join our discord the link to that is in the podcast and youtube descriptions there's a lot of great discourse that happens in there and we'd love to see that community continue to grow and grow and grow and grow follow us on all the socials those are on the youtube screen um, but they're also in the podcast and youtube descriptions you could follow us on twitter at hardwood knocks on tiktok at hardwood Knox. we're at hardwood underscore knocks on Instagram. Those are the housekeeping notes. Those are uh all of them, I think. So I think we can finally get into these trades. And you'll have to forgive me if I'm I'm like triple screening it at the moment. If you're watching me, I have my phone, I have my second computer set up. Um, it's that time of year. It also doesn't help, it'd be a lot easier if Twitter didn't fucking suck at the moment. Um, I hate you, Elon. Hashtag that sucks. Just uh tweet deck is all sorts of weird at the moment, and it was down for a second. So yes, I will be my my uh um I will be my eyes will be scattered all over the place. I'll get to questions as they come in once we talk a little bit, but since someone's already in here got one. Uh FK retro, these trades today made no sense for so many teams. Um, I think so. Let's start with the jazz one because I do think that's the the trade that people are most confused of when they look at the the return. Like I don't FK retro, you're not uh you're not alone in saying that. So the actual terms of that trade is the Lakers will get Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and D'Angelo Russell. The Timberwolves will get Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Mike Conley, a 2024 second-round pick from Memphis or Washington. It'll be the less favorable, and it'll come via the Lakers. They also get Utah's 2025 second and Utah's 2026 second. The Jazz will get Damian Jones, Wantis Connell Anderson, Ru- Russell Westbrook, and the Lakers' 2027 first-round pick. It's top-four protected, and also, and this is just this is super noteworthy at the moment. If it doesn't convey, it just turns into a 2027 20, second. And that's huge because it allows the Lakers to then turn around and trade a 2029 20, second. And so I want to break down the the implications for the Lakers is I give this trade if we were grading them, which I technically am, but I'm not doing that here. It's just, it's an A for the Lakers. I don't know how it's anything other than an A for the Lakers. Um, they only gave up one first round pick. And there was this school of thought that if they were going to trade Make a trade that was so geared towards this season that they needed to trade both picks because they needed a, a mega return. And so, like, even then, would the mega return be enough? Like, if you if they had gotten Kyrie Irving, I think you could say, oh well, I guess they had some like championship equity or potential outcomes, but maybe they also didn't. So, like, that's to get this haul but only giving up one pick, and that you you got to protect it and it doesn't trickle down because now what you're able to do is you know move like this pick um, move your 2029 pick excuse me and I'm sorry I'm stammering here cuz I'm trying to get this promoted on twitter and it's tweet deck i guess if you're sending out tweets it won't actually publish so that's um that's that's fucking awesome um, that really kind of sort of definitely 100% blows uh, anyway though so for the lakers the fact that you're still able to trade your 2029 pick you go out and make another move right now, or if you think this is enough and we'll get into the fit of the players in a second, if you think this is enough, like now you get to holster that pick. And when you go into the off season, you can trade, uh, you could still trade a swap in 2028, your 2029 pick, and then a swap in 2030. I don't know what value that necessarily has, but if there's, there's more value there, it opens up more avenues for you to improve your team. Uh, and also, just looking at the books of this, if you want to, you can still just say, "Hey, we'll go into this off season with cap space instead of keeping any of these guys." Russell's a free agent. Uh, Malik Beasley is a team option. Jared Vanderbilt's salary is completely non guaranteed, so you could just get rid of those, get rid of Rui, and still have all that cap space if you want to sign Kyrie. Now, you don't. I want to be clear, you don't make this move with the intention of doing that. But if if for some reason it doesn't work out, you have that avenue, and you only gave up one first round pick, while significantly increasing your ceiling on this season and i don't know like i don't know how to judge what the lakers highest end outcome is right now to be honest with everyone mostly because the west is just so fucking jumbled that being said the lakers are disappointing and yet if you want to just to get in a top six spot to really have a chance like let's say you just want them to avoid the play-in they're only four losses back of the six seed dallas mavericks now the catch 22 there is you have all these teams in front of you, Portland, OKC, the Jazz, Minnesota, New Orleans, Golden State and Dallas. That's a lot of teams. We've already shown that Utah's going to punt on the rest of this year. Um, do we bet? Are you trusting anything in Minnesota? They've been on a tear of late. But D'Angelo Russell was a huge part of that. And Mike Conley's been solid. He kind of elevates your floor, I think, without raising your ceiling. We'll we'll get to them. The Golden State Warriors are dealing with the Steph Curry absence for another month. Uh, what's going to happen with Kyrie and Dallas? The Blazers just traded Josh Hart. Like, did they They didn't get better in that deal, getting Cam Reddish and Ryan Archie Diakono and um, Shvi Mikhailuk. So, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, so, like, you have, and the Thunder, you know, they're sort of, like, they're not fading, but, like, they're a team that you could see fading. And you've gotten better. That's the other thing, is this is not the Lakers, like, just being the Lakers and hoping that, oh, LeBron and AD have to, will most definitely Kind of sort of gonna stay healthy and, and they need to carry the load themselves. D'Angelo Russell is like having a, a pretty good year, and he's been on a tear for basically the past two months right now. He is shooting 38.5% on catch and shoot threes, and even more importantly, he's shooting 39.4% on off the dribble threes. This is a wild stat though. Nobody on the Lakers is averaging one pull-up jumper per game and posting an effective field goal percentage, which measures two point and three-point efficiency above 50. D'Angelo Russell's effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers, 53.3. That is the eighth best mark in the league among 73 players who take at least four of those shots a game. That's absolutely huge when you're looking at the dynamic of the Lakers offense. It's something that Russ didn't give you, even though he was going to take those shots. I think he's actually averaging more pull-up jumpers per game than D'Angelo Russell, which is a caps lock problem. So you get someone who I think, yes, the Wolves maybe were worried about his long-term fit off the ball when you were funneling so much of your offense to Anthony Edwards, to even Kyle Anderson there. But like D'Lo has been able to play off the ball. So he could play off LeBron. The lineups with him and Anthony Davis and no LeBron, that should work out really well. I think this is just in itself, I think if the Lakers made this trade and uh, the comment from FK Retro, which I left up on the screen for a while, yeah, they literally gave up nothing really for three guys that so many teams are going after. Don't get how they got them for so little. Um, I will talk about that in a second once we get to the Jazz. But I think you could have done this trade, for just D'Lo, and it probably would have been okay. Like maybe the you know the value would have been different because how does Minnesota give up Conley in that deal? But if that was the you know if that was the only like if D'Lo was the only thing that you got out of this trade, would you have said that it was that it was a failure on the Lakers' part? Maybe, but like maybe not because you could say well they just might have signed him in free agency, so that's huge for them. Now they get someone in Malik Beasley who brings. Uh, sorry to anyone who's hearing all my messages, work messages go off in the background. It is the season to just get tons of texts and DMS and emails and keep up with absolutely none of them. Uh, anyway, so train of thought. Oh yeah. So yeah, they could have signed him in for agency, but if you just got D low, that would have been huge. Malik Beasley, high volume, three point shooting that has value to this Lakers offense. And he's not a properly sized wing, but it's six five. He's like their second biggest wing. If you're like outside of LeBron and I don't consider him a wing. I don't even really consider Rui a wing but that's that's huge for them. I will note Beasley's been shooting under 31% from 3 over his last 21 games um, or 23 games. So that's more than a quarter of the season. That's something to monitor. Uh he should be getting at least the same quality if not better quality shots in LA when you're catching passes from LeBron. I think that that's a good pickup under team control for next year if he works out as well. And then Jared Vanderbilt, the talent infusion alone. I like that play. The on-off splits don't love him. He became a little redundant and definitely awkward once Walker Kessler emerged though. And so now you're playing on a Lakers team where, yeah, if you're going to try and play him next to Rui Endor, Anthony Davis, you you might run into some of the same spacing issues, but defensively he should be able to spend more time around the basket, which is where he's best suited. And he just brings you some rebounding hustle and then, and then pure energy night to night. Again, the talent play there alone is just like, yeah, get it and then figure out the rest later. I don't know. Like these are all three of the players that the Lakers are acquiring right now. Like there's a chance that at least two of them would be their third best players overall. Like, I mean, you have Anthony Davis, you have LeBron. And then it's, I don't know how you feel about Austin Reeve. Let's not have the Russell Westbrook discussion at that point. Like the whole six minute of the year buzz thing with him was totally uh, overrated for the wolves. I don't love this, but I understand it. So, You get Mike Conley, who has experience playing next to Rudy Gobert. He's having a solid season. And I do believe we need to view this through the lens of, okay, D'Angelo Russell was going to be a free agent. If you thought that he was going to leave, or you didn't want to be the one to pay him, you needed to figure out a way to get value out of him. And so what you do with Conley is you basically fold D'Lo's salary into a smaller salary that's on the books for next season. Mike Conley uh, has a full salary of 244 14.3 14.3 million of which is, is guaranteed. So they could waive him if they wanted to, to cut that 10 million off. I don't think you make this deal to do that though. Um, so you bring in someone who's just cheaper, can still play, so you're not losing D'Lo for nothing, uh, has the experience with Rigobert. Bear. He's probably, if you really want to continue to allocate more touches to Anthony Edwards and like to play Kyle Anderson on the ball, and you also want to make sure that when Carl Anthony Towns comes back, that he can be a prominent part of what you're doing on the ball and not strictly playing away from it. He's probably the better fit for your roster. And so the the depth chart makes a little bit more sense here to me. That being said, Mike Conley's 35. He's going to be 36 next year. His contract is like, that's net negative value when you're paying him that much. And I don't like, what if he slips off? Doesn't have the intended impact. So while your roster does make more sense, D'Angelo Russell to me gave you the higher ceiling. When you look at what might've happened in the playoffs, there is value though in catering towards fit and synergy and optimizing you know, the talent that you're most invested in. And like I said, you need to view it through the lens of D'Angelo Russell probably leaving, or maybe earning too much money for the wolves to to finance in free agency. And I think that helps with the optics here. And then also you get those like two distant Utah first rounders, which in 25 and 26, yeah, the jazz should be better, but what if they're not? So like, what if those picks end up being in the thirties? Um, That's just, you know, some nice value there. I also, I like the flyer on Nikhil Alexander Walker, just because, this team doesn't have a lot of reserve firepower. And while Naw can be sort of this firecracker um, or inconsistent firecracker, uh, he's just like, that's an extra body there, especially if you wind up, you know, acquiescing to the Jalen Noel trade demand that we know is there. So that that helps you um, as well, or at least is interesting to do. So again, I understand it from their perspective, but it's not a very inspiring move. And now they're just very much out of alternatives because it's what is their, but like D'Lo was sort of their last big trade chip unless you're going to look at moving Carl Anthony towns over the offseason once he becomes trade eligible. And so it really gets like, they have Jaden McDaniels too, but like what you're just to build out packages now gets so tough. And if this doesn't work out, my comedy not all of a sudden an asset. Yeah. You can move his expiring contract, but at 24.4 million, you're probably not taking back great money at that point. Again, I understand it from their perspective. That doesn't mean I love it. Uh, the jazz, they are the team that was criticized the most, I think, in the aftermath of this deal. Uh, a lot of people, uh, there were reports early on that the jazz wanted a first round pick for Jared Vanderbilt, Mike Conley and Malik Beasley. And so I think people are sort of treating this trade as if that was an absolute fact or, or even possible. It wasn't uh, like, so I already mentioned, let's break this down player by player. Jared Vanderbilt became awkward, redundant after, um, after the emergence of Walker Kessler, he's on the books for 4.7 million next year. But a reserve big man who doesn't space the floor is never getting a first round pick without other moving parts involved, i.e., the Jazz taking back bad money. And he makes too little money to have been sent out for bad money on his own. Malik Beasley, yes, he probably gets you a first round pick on his own still. That first round pick is not nearly as high end as the 2027 Lakers selection might be. And I think the other thing to consider is like he's been sub 31% from three for quite some time now. He's just been super up and down for them on offense. It's a good move for the Lakers and he's a valuable player, but like, I don't know, like he wouldn't have gotten you more than a a lottery protected first round pick from a team that would have wanted it to convey this year. And it would have been in the twenties or something along those lines. So yes, he would have gotten you a first round pick. There's that first round pick, but it wouldn't have been nearly as high end or off into the distance. And for a team like the jazz, They have so many first round picks. Now they're up to 15 future first round picks that are loosely or unprotected, I believe, as Woj framed it. Loose protection, I think, means like top four, I would say, or lower. So uh, top five or like better. So, and that makes sense. I think they have the top five for Minnesota in 29, now the top four for the Lakers in 27. You wouldn't have gotten a pick nearly that high end. And then Mike Conley, that's not, I'm not saying they would have needed to move off an asset to get him out of town. He wasn't getting you a first round pick on his own. I think even pairing him with someone, other teams would have looked at. Well, we're taking on this asset because we're going to pay Mike Conley next season. And when you tr- when you look at it that way, which is the right way to look at it, they maybe maybe again I'm just going to say maybe could have gotten two firsts for these three players. That's maybe they would those two firsts would have just been afterthought firsts and not as potentially high-end as the Lakers might be. Now, you are taking on some risk here, because if that Lakers pick doesn't convey in 2027, it turns into just a second. But you also get the benefit here of increasing your cap flexibility this summer. You just went getting rid of Beasley's team option, you're not going to pay Vanderbilt non-guaranteed, and then all of Mike Conley's money they're just—they're going to have max cap space and then some if they don't want to do anything. And I'm not saying they need to go spend, spend, spend in free agency, but that's going to give them avenues to facilitate other trades or make other trades themselves, either as buyers in lopsided deals. Like, you know, what if the Hawks just blow it up? John Collins just going to slide right into Utah's cap space? Like that's still eminently possible. Um, so that having that flexibility is part of the value that needs to be incumbent of this trade. Uh, that's like, you know that that's, that's not bad value here. When you're looking at the, the Lakers uh, first round pick that you're also getting FK retro said jazz basically got cap space in a second, 2027 for Westbrook. Who are they going to buy out? And yes, you could look at it that way. And that's fine because look, most of the season's already gone. That Russ number while it's huge, 47 plus million already, most of the salary has been paid. So it looks like a huge number on the books, but it doesn't matter now because you know what the trade market has become. You don't really know what else you could have done. So, uh, you know excuse me you know what else you could have done and clearly there wasn't any better move out there otherwise you don't make this trade uh alan uh Pinho says lakers turned difficult westbrook situation into three players that fold in much better add this to uh ruey improving thomas bryant at center burning minutes utah did well with the pick but minnesota yeah i just talked about minnesota alan uh they not inspiring i get it from a fit perspective i think conley's Better suited for a roster where, when Carlton Towns comes back, you're going to want him to be on ball some in addition to Anthony Edwards and Kyle Anderson. So I think he's easier to fit in that dynamic and has the experience with Rudy. But there's no way in um, there's no way in hell that this is like an inspiring move for them. I think it could be a better fitting one, but I don't know if it actually elevates their ceiling. Might only elevate their floor. So I think the Jazz, to get back to them, did like. I, fine it's I, I, it doesn't have to be overly inspiring but if you could have would you have preferred let's say you could have gotten two additional 2023 first round picks that we're going to convey in the 20s why do you want that if you're utah because you already have so many picks like in general that you can afford to put some into the distance they have their own pick this year they've Minnesota's pick this year and then they have a, a a first round pick coming from houston brooklyn or philly it's at least favorable so you're already looking at three first round picks in the chamber uh it's, you're not gonna what are you what are you gonna do with a fourth and a fifth one so i would rather have the 2027 pick because as of right now yeah they do have two or they have four now they have four 2027 first but it's so far down the line you can decide what you're gonna do with them they're probably not gonna keep cleveland's minnesota's the lakers is then their own like by that point, they're gonna have a better hold of their rebuild. They'll be further along in their timeline right now. Um, you're kind of just kicking the can there. And I think the other thing is, they didn't. Su- they've been plucky and fun, and like in the you know they're they're in the thick of the middle class of the West. That's not why they traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. It was to anger for something bigger, better. And so like while they've been surprisingly competitive, uh, there's value in saying okay, well that doesn't fit the bigger picture motif. And so what they did is. They decided, hey, we're going to short the Lakers' future while forfeiting no one mission critical to our own. Do you think Beasley and Vanderbilt were both going to be on this team beyond next season, like going into their expiring deals? And Conley, for sure, that was his age 36 season. Doing that while also drumming up your draft lottery odds this year. And look, we know what the league looks like right now. Um, There are some really bad teams that the Jazz are not going to catch up to. But like, you know, they could go on a – they could lose – five six straight games and like all of a sudden they're in Orlando Magic territory which is basically top 5 lottery odds at that point. Like that that's a possibility. So you drum up your own draft lottery odds there and you also just have that effort effortless line to, you know, I would probably have them at between 40 and 60 million in cap space. Um so that's look that's for where they're at. I don't think that that's bad value. I am surprised that the Lakers got this much for their one first round pick and as Ryan says in the chat how Lakers, how Lakers getting these deals. Yeah. I, I'm pleasantly surprised mostly because general manager, Rob Polenka has not done anything that I think inspires confidence in him. Ryan also says Lakers to finals. I would, uh, respectfully yet strongly disagree with that take. I do think they're more of a threat as the thumbnail that I put on YouTube, um, should, should show everybody, but I, you know, let's maybe, maybe we should slow the roll a little bit here. Um, So it's a, it's a big time. I think it's a big time win for them. And I think that most of the players in Beasley and Russell fit seamlessly Vanderbilt. I'm a little bit more skeptical on, but you could build certain lineups around him and look, maybe him and AD can definitely work. It's definitely easier to play him with AD than it would be a a Walker Kessler. So that's my impressions there. I think if you're to rank who, who made the, uh, who made the, who made out best in this, I would probably rank it as the Lakers first by a mile. And then I think I'm putting the jazz second and then I like it the least for the wolves, even though I kind of understand it here. So uh, that's like, that's just where we're at. I think that uh, then if there are any questions, if you want to throw them in the chat about this trade specifically, we'll get, we'll get back to them as I continue rolling through this. But I I think, I I think that's really the, the more interesting uh, implication here that out of all this, I mean, it does, I think maybe the most interesting ones, Oh, the jazz are really just, they're they're not about this season at all. Like they're maybe they still kind of stumble into the plan because Larry Markin and Walker Kessler are so good. O'Shea Akbashi has been really good lately. They've Jordan Clarkson, of course. So there's a possibility that they don't get much worse, but they've now, you know, continue to stack their deck for the future. And I think people need to look at this in terms of cap space, even though free agency has changed, even though Utah is not a desire, the most desirable market, uh, having that flexibility absolutely matters. So, uh, Pippin and from Ryan and Pippin Beasley and Pippin Jr. chemistry would be fire. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for that one, that one, Ryan. Um, so for the Lakers, though, the implication here is just like they're clearly going for it. I think a lot of people viewed some of the moments, uh, from AD and LeBron when LeBron broke Kareem's scoring record as something that felt like finality or closure. AD just looked completely off that night when you look at his interview, his body language. Um, The way he played on the court, I thought he was hurt. There was like the one hustle play he made was diving into the stands for like a random loose ball. There was the soundbite of LeBron, like telling AD he loved him. Hopefully AD wasn't injured or going through something, but that was sort of weird. This at least shows like the Lakers are really committed to this core. And I think it, it's not just about this season. The answer is only 26. Like this is something that kind of gives them more of an open-ended window and a aligned to doing other things over the summer. And look, this trade is objectively better for them to me. Than giving up two first round picks and uh, you know, to get Kyrie Irving, I would prefer this trade 11 times out of 10 to the Kyrie Irving scenario. That was, that was on the table for them. Let's get to this other trade before I wrap up. So the Blazers are trading Josh Hart to the New York Knicks in exchange for Cam Reddish, Ryan Archie Diakono, Shvi Luke, and a protected future first round pick. Uh, I don't know that we've seen what pick um, is coming from, the Knicks there uh, it's going to turn into though, it's lottery protected and it's going to turn into four second rounders. Uh, I don't like, is that going to be Dallas's or the Knicks? Is it the Knicks's own? There's a chance that the Knicks still finish in the lottery, I guess. But if it's, if it's Dallas's or the Knicks, I, my, my bet would be like, you know, neither of those teams are probably going to finish in the lottery. I mean, the Knicks are just sort of iffy there. There's seven in the East. The Hawks have been perking up a little bit lately, though they have lost two straight. But then it's like, oh, the Bulls, Raptors, Wizards, Pacers, or any of those teams really going to put pressure on the Knicks? Maybe they, like, it feels like they'll get in via the play-in. And then Dallas, I think, just might be a, depending on when Luka Doncic comes back and how the Kyrie Irving fit works out, that that might just be like a flat-out, like, playoff team in the West, which is, you know, that's fine. I don't love the idea. Josh Hart is gives you some defense, some rebounding, uh, he is first team, all doesn't shoot as well from three for his career as you think. Uh, but he's going to give you like a lot of just gusto, as, as I think uh, Clive Frazier would say in transition. And so maybe that just adds like, so like a different cadence to some of New York's games, but he's at 30.4% from three this year, almost 60% on twos. Um, again, a really good rebounder, not much of a score can make, can be like a, just a fine ball mover, secondary passer, someone who I think adds value, but he's going to be a free agent. He has a player option. So if you're giving up a protected first round pick here, that, that looks like my guess would be that it will convey. Um, the, like, I I don't, I don't love it. like, I I I don't love it. I just don't on I don't I I guess I don't understand it. I he played with Jalen Brunson at Villanova, so that's super fun. Um, what does this say about how they're gonna flesh out the rest of the rotation? I mean, if anything, look, the trade deadline's not done. But when you look at the depth chart, like Josh Hart should probably, and we'll see if Tibbs is inventive enough to do this. That's someone who could play some small ball four. And is that gonna make it, you know, we're just gonna bury um. Obi Toppin even further in the rotation for that. Uh, I guess you can look at it as okay. Now your wings are kind of Quentin Grimes, R.J. Barrett, and Josh Hart. That's not overkill by by any stretch, and they're you're going to have a lot of good defensive minutes if you play him with quickly. If you play him with Grimes and you know pair them with Hart, maybe Mitchell Robinson up front. It's going to be a lot of damage done there defensively. So it's not looking at their depth chart. It's not as overkills. As it seemed to me with first glance. I just don't get. Uh, I know you don't have cap space this year, so you wouldn't have been able to sign him out. Right. But I don't get giving up a protected first round pick here. Uh, If it's just their own, because I do think they're probably less likely to make the lottery than the Mavericks. I'm not really sure. Um, Perhaps. uh, I just, you know, I, I guess it's nice that, uh, I I don't know. It's, I, I don't love this deal for that. I can't get into it. It's just, it's going to turn into four future second round picks. If the if the selection is not conveyed this year, um, I'm I'm not like ugh, I don't I don't love this. I'm I'm just I know the Knicks have two 2023 first this year, and they could technically have more, but the picks that they have from Detroit and Washington aren't going to convey. So they have two 2023 first two first round picks in this draft is not overkill. And uh, what is this DJ Ben? Uh, now all we have to do is fire. Ham. Whoa, that's a Lakers trade comment. You want Darvin Ham fired already? I don't really know that Darvin Ham's done anything that's warranted being dismissed in LA. Even if you haven't been inspired by the job he's done, look at the roster they gave him to start this season. Look how much time Anthony Davis missed as well. So, yeah, the, the hard, I don't. I don't love it. I'm not going to kill the Knicks for it. Like I get it. Um, I don't. I guess some of the logic would be, oh, they were never going to play two rookies or even one rookie. That's the way that Tibbs would operate. I just two rookies is not. It's not overkill. Here, So there doesn't need to be like this. Oh, we needed to move off of these picks. It'd be different if you had all four first coming in, but you don't. We know two of them just aren't going to convey in Detroit and Washington. So uh, I, I just don't love it. I guess the fit is there, but you don't do anything to improve your spacing here. Um, I do wonder what does this say about maybe they're if you want to read super what does this say about their faith in RJ Barrett? Are they gonna they've just paid Barrett, his deal will kick in, they're gonna pay Hart. You don't give up a protected future first, I would say, if you don't plan on paying Hart. Just sort of a curious move. It feels very this season focused to like really push their defense, which if you're betting on this squad and saying, like, we think this is gonna nudge us toward the playoffs, then yeah, that's fine. Um, it just I don't love this move for New York. If I was to grade this one, um, I haven't written about it yet, but I'd probably give it like a C, maybe a C, maybe a C minus. Not a, not a D. You're not going to kill it or anything like that. I think it's fine for the Blazers. They get another conditional first-round pick that they can technically reroute as part of other deals, um, which is good because they can't trade their own, and their other picks are just encumbered by that protection too. Uh, Chicago, they have lottery protected through 2028 is the is that pick that they owe to the bulls. And so th- that um, definitely hamstrung them in other talks. Uh, you're also, you get the flyer on cam Reddish if you're going to keep him. Uh, so there's that to consider the fact that they took, that they did a three for one here. It does mean that there's probably more other moves to follow. We know that they were shopping Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic uh, it's, we knew they weren't going to keep Josh Hart. And so to get a conditional first round pick and a flyer on Reddish, you're betting that the Knicks are going to make the playoffs essentially, let's say, and that's a fine gamble to make. I don't love it for them, but I think the idea that now you can trade the concept of a first round pick because you can't guarantee it, but that was something you really couldn't do before. Um, now that you can actually do that. Um, uh, now that you can actually do that, I think opens up some more doors for them. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do for the rest of this deadline or how much cam might even play. Um, FK retro says, does heart being there hurt quickly and grimes rotations at all? Uh see, I thought of it the other way to me. I think it makes less sense for the Blazers, but your thought process makes sense. Um, I'd be curious, you could throw in the chat, I'll throw it up there. Why do you think it makes less sense for the Blazers if we're just operating under the assumption that they weren't going to pay Hart? Just with Jeremy Grant also about to get paid and they just resigned they extended Dame, they re-signed Simons, they re-signed Nurkic. Uh, I I don't think they were ever going to I don't think they were ever going to to keep Hart. And I don't think that they were ever, you know, everyone talked about oh, teams are interested in Hart. I couldn't really think of a no-brainer destination for Josh Hart. The Knicks were one of them. I just never thought they'd give up a first for him, even conditionally. I thought it'd be like Isaiah Hartenstein if the Blazers wanted another reserve big look or Cam Reddish in seconds to get Josh Hart, which, by the way, that could end up being what this is. Um, and that's perfectly fine for the Knicks. But I, the, for the Blazers, like, yeah, I do think it's – Josh Hart's been so, I don't even want, like up and down this year that I do think Blazers fans got, not that they turned on him, but like weren't super uh, high on having him now or long term. And so you, you could look at it as, okay, we just lost someone who was averaging. I think he was at 33 plus minutes per game, but he wasn't scoring a ton. Um, you viewing, how are you going to replace his minutes? I guess gets super interesting there, uh, because that look, that is, you know, no bones about it. Like that's, those are a ton of minutes, uh, to, to actually replace. So they do have to figure that out. And Cam Reddish is not some bankable, someone who's going to come in. He's not going to replace hearts rebounding. That's for sure. He's not going to replace hearts. I guess like he has the, he's not going to replace hearts, like kind of girth on defense. Um, so Look, it's, you could get there by, okay, if Justice is healthy, maybe they're just playing on upping Shane chain Sharps minutes. And then you also have Gary Payton, the second pack, so that makes this a little bit more palatable, in addition to if Nas Little is healthy, so you play him a ton, in addition to, let, let's see what this flyer is on Reddish. And if he pans out, look, maybe you, you have a cheaper option now that you get to keep in restricted free agency. So I get the logic from, Bla- even if you don't love the trade for the Blazers, I, I get, and there are concerns. Like I said, how are you going to fill that rotation? I do think they just have options where you're definitely not going to lose too much offensively going from Hart to like the names that I listed. But Cam Reddish is such a stab in the dark that there is a chance that, Oh, did we just trade Josh Hart for four seconds? And that's kind of just like a eh, whatever deal, but you also have the chance to get a first. You've decided to bet on the fact that the Knicks are going to make the playoffs and the Knicks have decided, I guess to um, not bet on the fact that they're going to make the playoffs, but that making the playoffs means something to them. Otherwise you don't uh, you don't give up this conditional first round pick. The Reddish trade, initial one though so you gave up a conditional first that might never convey but now you've given up two conditional firsts as part of like to get cam reddish and then to get rid of him and you end up with josh hart for two conditional firsts and like that's what it amounts to i again it's just like a eh, like i i don't really know how to feel about that i certainly i don't i don't hate it i don't love it I, i don't know what i don't i guess i really don't know how to how to feel about it but i will say that i think that it's mostly just um flat out uninspiring i i just don't really have a like a i don't love this deal for the knicks i don't think you have to love it for the blazers uh, but i think it makes more sense for them and i like it better for them dj ben has something on the lakers trade the lineup ham puts out on the floor is stupid in my opinion i'm sure he's going to mess up even though we got some good players now more spacing et cetera. but i don't think he's a good coach i just tell me what lineups he's playing that you're mad at and then what your alternatives would be when uh you're looking at which players have been available and which players are actually on the roster i don't you know, I, you can quibble about some of them, um, was like some of those really ultra small Lakers lineups that we've seen over the course of the season. Yeah, I get that. But it's not like he was just dealt this hand that had all these options here either. So I just, I can't, I'm not willing to really like, I, I know that Russell Westbrook was a scapegoat and that he was not the sole reason that LA was where they was. That was on like the front office and genie bus flat out. Like those are the people most responsible. I don't know, even if you're not high on Darvin Ham, I don't know that we've seen enough from him to just event, like with a quality roster and a, and a fully healthy roster to make too many snap judgments about him. Um, we are probably getting to the point where we're going to wrap up here. So if you have any questions want, or any other deadline questions you want to throw in the chat, there's not a lot of other like real juicy news items going around. I did see Boston's Jalen Brown uh, suffered a facial fracture per Shams and we'll miss some time. Uh, he took an elbow to the face from, from Jason Tatum. He's now sidelined through at least the all-star break. He's gonna have a follow-up with a specialist on Thursday. That's really something to monitor. Doubt it impacts Boston's trade deadline plans at all, but that'll wind up being a huge loss for the Celtics. Predict, oh, this is fun. Predict the next trade right now. This is this is tough. So who will be the next player to get moved? So now that's sort of the Malik Beasley, like one of the jazz, like all of the Jazz dominoes have fallen, and D'Angelo Russell's off the table. Uh and we kind of at least as it could change. We saw it change with you know what Woj was we saying about James Harden last year, the day before the deadline. James Harden isn't getting traded. The de- the morning of the deadline, he was like, Oh, James Harden kind of wants out, and there might be a deal coming about. So we could see something like that with Kevin Durant, is my point, but I wouldn't expect it. Um, the team that I'm watching, the I think the Raptors will be the team that moves someone next. I'm gonna say that it's going to be at least give me two players here, a Fred Van Fleet or OG Ananobi trade. I do wonder if the fact that the Knicks got Josh Hart means that they deemed OG Ananobi ungettable and so that the Raptors are less likely to move him. I still think like a Gary Trent Jr. or Fred Van Fleet trade is eminently on the table. I would say that two Gary Trent Jr. Um, suitors are off the table I like because the Knicks were a good Gary Trent Jr. destination in my opinion. I thought they were good from Lee Beasley too. Um, and I thought they were good. He was a good uh, target for the Lakers. I don't know if he still is when you have, like, do you trade Malik Beasley for Gary Trent Jr.? Like, is that something you think Gary Trent Jr. is enough of a defensive upgrade? He's younger that if it was Malik Beasley and the Raptors just value, having that team control of the next year, rather than having to pay Gary Trent Jr. could we see that type of a deal? Maybe, but I do think we've kind of seen two potential GTJ destinations go off the table here. Uh, FK Retro, I'm leaning towards a Raptors trade in some capacity. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm wondering which player it will be if we had to predict a player. I'm ca- I've been back and forth on everything. At one point, I assumed that OG Ananobi was basically untouchable. And now I almost feel like he's the second most likely Raptor to be traded, if not the most likely. I am just wondering what it says about the Raptors' willingness to move OG or his market in general or their asking price that the Knicks have basically pulled themselves. They have the picks to give up to get him, but I don't know why you would trade Josh Hart and then also turn around and get. Oh uh, gee, again, they could do it, but I, I don't think that you know, that's, I don't think that's something they will do. And so I'm just going to look at Fred Van Fleet here and they're the team that I'm watching. I think the other like teams that could define the trade deadline now, especially look the jazz again, maybe they surprise us and move like a, a, a Clarkson or a Sexton. But aside from the, they've played there. It just feels like they've played all the players we were talking about. just It was Vanderbilt. Malik Beasley and Conley with a little bit of Olinick and Clarkson and Sexton talk sprinkled in. They've now they've now dealt the three most likely players to be <laughs> to be traded. So um yeah, that's just like um I, I think it's aside from Toronto's I'm getting I think Atlanta is a team that could wind up defining sort of the the deadline. Do they move John Collins? And then also just sneakily Brooklyn, because they prioritize the return in the Kevin Durant trade that screams, hey, we want to continue winning now and we'll be open to moving these picks for other players. Do they get it on the van fleet sweepstakes? But then we also have the reports from Woj that Katie's talking to them, to them about his future. And I don't think if you're the nets, I don't think you could make any other like now focused trade without a, an assurance that Kevin Durant is going to stay, um, is going to stay with you beyond this season. Like you can't just move that like picks now on a lark. Like you, you definitely can't do that. Um, because if he, then he wants out, you've now like moved future equity. There you don't recruit a ton of it in the Kevin Durant trade, but unless you're getting a player back that you can then reroute for, I guess, like the similar value or even more that you, um, more than you gave up to get him. That's just too much of like uh, an iffy proposition there. And so I'm wondering just what they do. And I would like, you know, this is like only tangentially related, but I really want, if we're going through the teams that I want, um, FK okay, Retro would say, Yeah, I'm hoping FEV and Collins both get moved. Look, I just feel like John Collins needs to get moved. Miles Turner signed an extension with the Pacers, so now him being there is on him. And I know Collins resigned with the Hawks as well, but he's been involved in trade rumors for so long. But the offers that you see out there for him are just so like, I, I know he has 75 million or whatever left on his deal for the next three years, but my God, his value to me isn't that low. I think if you get, um, I think if you like get him in a system where he can at least be more of a roller, at least more often than he is in Atlanta now, um, that you're going to be fine. Indiana's the perfect destination for him, but you need a third team to send Atlanta immediate players. Uh, teams that I want to see make a move though, I really would like to see the Kings just to get like, let's get weird. You're third in the West and your margin for error isn't that huge, but like, what can you do? And then Phoenix, I'm just kind of looking at them, uh, they're If the FK Retro, if the Clips get both FEV and Collins somehow be pretty happy, I would be fucking floored if they were able to do that at this point. I guess in that scenario, you're giving up both your swaps, a first-round pick, and Terrence Mann. I don't know if that's enough to get you both. I think they could definitely get one, and it wouldn't shock me to see them get one. I'd probably prefer to see Van Fleet there. They've already, though, been linked to Russell Westbrook on the buyout market, which is a little concerning because this isn't even a shot at Russ. I just don't think he's a great fit for that roster it's like what if john wall took even worse shots at some points i just like he's been better than john wall this season i i just don't love the fit there um but i would like to see like what's going to happen with the suns they're they're kind of a (laughs) what is this day no uh we talking is that in reference to rust to the clips or what what's happening there you worry about rust to the suns but the suns I'm just very much <laughs> FK retro on uh, Rust to the clips, Yuck. Uh, I'm very much interested in what the Suns do because now that the Kevin Durant specter, which was already looming over what they were always going to do, how do you give up future assets if you think that you might also? Yeah, this is to get back to Westbrook from FK retro. He's been linked to the Bulls. That makes no fucking sense either. Like I, I guess because you don't have Lonzo, but no, I don't. I don't want to see Rust and DeRozan and Levine. No, that is not. That is not a coherent team. I don't know. The Bulls just can't get out of their own way. If they're going to move one of those guys, like maybe, but he, it's not even Caruso. It would have to be DeRozan or Levine. And at that point, like, what are you, what, what are you like d- even doing? If you're moving DeRozan and then signing Russ, like what is the actual end game? I, I struggle to see their end game now. Uh, no, De La Muka, I'm not, I'm not moving Russ to the Suns. That would be, they were interested in Kyrie though. So I have, I do question their decision-making a little bit, but to like to that end with the Suns, now that KD is just very, very likely to be back on the table, because if not this season over the offseason after the Kyrie trade, can you justify? I mean, you could justify, but how likely are you to trade a first, like a future first round pick or even your 2023 first round pick, which is just more valuable than it was before the Devin Booker injury, quite frankly? You could go the other route though and say, well, you know, the Suns are now fifth in the West. Like they've quietly, you know, they're on a three game winning streak right now. They've won eight of their last 10. Uh, the offense has been like iffy without Devin Booker, but he's back now. You are quite literally only three losses back from being in the the third seed in the West. And so why wouldn't you just go for it even if you can't get KD? But knowing that Pascal Siakam would be a target for this team, knowing that Kevin Durant would be a target for this team, and then also knowing that those two players are more likely than not, along with other ones, like what happens if Brandon Ingram hits the market in New Orleans or whatever, but knowing that the star trade market is going to open up even further over the offseason, you have the guts to make a bigger trade now. And that would be a stark departure from the way that James Jones has operated. Even when the trade market wasn't this turbulent, where you knew that you were coming off a finals berth last year, for instance, and you didn't just go out and get Eric Gordon at the time, maybe there's a move they can make to sort of straddle, you know, can you just get Eric Gordon for seconds and call it a day and say, like, let's just see where this is. We'll reevaluate over the off season. I know they've been linked to Fred Van fleet. I don't hate that for them actually, I just questioned what the package would be going out there. But I also just question in general, well, how committed to you are, are you to making a move when you don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant and his future with the Nets. And you're going to want to be in on him and maybe even Siakam, his future with Toronto, which again, I do not expect to be neither of these futures to be settled at the deadline. Although for a minute, I was like pretty sure the Nets were just going to trade KD at the deadline. Hey, we have more than 12 hours to go though. Like we have like 14 or 15 hours, whatever it is. So it's still technically possible. Um, I don't. I don't know what to expect from them. They also have like having the new owner Matt uh, uh, Ispaya, uh I like you. There's the there's the impetus of a new owner to want to do something major whenever they come in. We've seen. I mean, look at what happened with Minnesota with Mark Luray and uh, uh, Alex Rodriguez coming in, and they just go and like they hire Tim Connolly and they made that Rudy bear trade. Like holy shit. Um, I don't know if something similar will happen in in Phoenix, but like you could see a little bit of that there as well. I do think it's more likely that they do something to sort of straddle the line in the middle. FK Retro uh, saying also Eric Gordon is linked to the Clippers now too, apparently. He would be interesting because he gives him some rim pressure in addition to three-point shooting and could probably play like he's not going to hurt your defense at all. I don't know what you give up to get him from like who would the Rockets, they would want, I have no doubt, a Terrence Mann. I'm not moving Terrence Mann for Eric Gordon. You can get to the salary pretty easy, but I'd just be curious as to what are you attaching to to get to the money, like if you're using Luke Kennard and Robert Covington and then another salary, like what is it that uh, what is it that Houston wants from you? Is it seconds like a flyer on Brandon Boston Jr. or Jason Preston? I'm your coffee. Uh, if you can do that. I, I would probably do that. I like that way better than Russell Westbrook. I'll tell you that right now. Um, David Muka says CP and KD aging will be very expensive. Yeah, no shit um i will say that it helps that cp3 could basically be his last year next season because he doesn't have a guarantee the full guarantee on the final year of his deal but three more years of kd going into his age 35 season next year um that is uh shout out Isaiah. No, oh my god i'm taking that off the screen Uh, i know you're trolling david muka but that was just and then they come out like you know that you've made a fucked up decision when you have to come out and basically retract it. Like you saw the reporters who were uh I don't want to use the word in their pocket, but might be more favorable to their coverage just coming out right away and saying, oh no, 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 there's been no there's been no decisions made in Isaiah Thomas. That's how you know that uh you probably shouldn't have uh, even thought about doing that in the first place. Especially that no team should have considered this, but especially given what the Suns have been uh what's been going on with their workplace culture over the past two decades. Um so yeah that's uh and then for Eric Gordon uh LA Clippers. Yeah. You think a third team is in there. That's a good point too. Is it like a, I don't know, like how you set that up. Maybe, they, maybe it's like an eight-team trade that finally involves Jay Crowder getting moved. Uh, Joseph Cruz. Are there any moves in Charlotte, sir? At the moment, Joseph? Uh, no, they should be one of the more active teams. I will say there was the report that they really wanted uh, to get a first round pick for Mason Plumlee. The fact that Jazz got one first round pick for, Beasley, Vanderbilt, and Mike Conley, I think, will tell you that you're not going to get a first round pick for Plumley. Uh, I did think that like three of their soon to be free agents in PJ Washington, Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, and Kelly Oubre Jr. would be moved. I still think we'll see a multiple of those guys moved. Um, uh, probably Mason Plumley is the most likely one just because Jalen McDaniels doesn't seem like he'll be too expensive and he kind of plays like a, a real position of need. For them, at least with Plumlee, the heir apparent is there in, in Mark Williams, and you could also just go find a Mason Plumlee, but a Jalen McDaniels is sort of a, a bigger wing type. That's harder to replace. Maybe Kelly Oubre Jr.'s expiring salary will be valuable to someone, especially if they think he'll be healthy for the, for the stretch run. Um, but I don't know, for them specific with targets, I think they're probably more looking to load up on flyers for youngsters uh, or picks. Joseph does ask, is, Rash- is Rashawn Holmes had a conversation on it? I mean, he'd be interesting in Charlotte to pair with Lamelo Ball. Uh, I guess if you wanted to give up Mason Plumlee and something else for Rashawn Holmes, and the, the Kings are probably compensating you at that point a little bit because he has two years and twenty five million left on his deal, you can afford to pay him. Because first of all, I don't think his contract is that egregious if you actually play him, but you know we'll have to see. Maybe he really has fallen off that much, uh, but they can afford to pay him more than most teams because Mark Williams is just so cheap. And so, like, if and I mean, like, look, if you went to if you went to Sacramento right now and said, we don't even need compensation for Rashawn Holmes. Like we'll just give you Mason Plumlee um, or even Kelly O'Brien jr. For Rashawn Holmes is like a trade that you could float. Like, yeah, I would do that if I'm Charlotte, just to take the flyer on Rashawn Holmes. He'd be a fun to pair with LaMelo ball. Um, I also thought about if they were, if they were looking to take flyers here, um, I really think that they would be, and I proposed this. It, it was both loved and hated. I would love to see them be a team, like go to the Nets and say, Hey, do you just want to get off of Ben Simmons's money? Like, well, we can fold Gordon Hayward into this trade. Um, So, like, that's, like, they could could just be a team that does anything because they're so just, they're not aimless, but they're just, they're so bad right now. And they should just be, they should be focused on either taking really big swings that don't mortgage their future or, you know, just trying to take stabs in the dark on players that they could reboot their value. I do like, per Joseph, if, if you're looking for just, like, another big that you want on the roster next season and it's not Mason Plumlee and you really just don't have faith in, like, kai jones or you don't want to bring back nick richards who's going to be i think he's an early bird restricted free agent this year and for some reason you don't want to play jt thor all the time uh that that's something to monitor and then it's like it's cost controlled in the sense that okay we know we're paying mark williams nothing Rashawn holmes is 12 million a year or whatever it is and then we're gonna have to pay pj washington this summer and that's like that's not a terrible allocation of money to your front court so i'd like the the holmes is interesting there, as long as it's not, oh, we're really gonna like bury Mark Williams on the bench behind him because he's shown a lot of flashes this year. Rob Sheldon, hearing Plumlee could be a buyout and headed back to Denver, or is that just what Denver wants to hear? Um I don't. I, I can I say both. I wouldn't shock me if he doesn't get traded that he becomes a buyout candidate, just because the the Hornets don't need to move anyone to suck. But if he wants to play for a contender or he wants to play meaningful games that will up his value ahead of free agency there's there's always buyout possibilities on the table it's the same thing with it's a it's not it's like apples to oranges here a little bit because uh Noel is not playing as much as Plumlee is but like that's why New Orleans Noel is a buyout candidate Obama becomes a buyout candidate if the, if the um magic don't move him so it wouldn't shock me if he becomes a buyout candidate I just when you look at the teams that seem to be in the market for bigs or reserve big men like if you just look at Portland uh Toronto still floating around the the Yakup sweepstakes um the Clippers are looking for a reserve big. And I'm not saying he's a good fit at all these places, but like the Nuggets are one of the teams and he could slide into their trade exception as well. Um, and so the Hornets might say, well, like, why would we, you know, we don't care about your luxury tax bill. Why can't we just slide him into your, your trade exceptions? Like given the number of teams that seem to be in the market for another, even Washington wants another big man, I guess because they're playing Gafford and KP together a lot. Now they want that um, other big to come off the bench. Uh, I would bet against, uh, Mason Plumley being bought out at this moment but do I think he's a good fit for Denver yeah I mean he beats like a lot of the alternatives right now and like I love Zeke Naji, but I also recognize that maybe he's not the like the like the just the flat out five and then Jeff Green has been all over the place this season um DeAndre has probably been better than expected but just not the answer like Mason Plumley just is a a passer if you want to run your offense similarly to how you would with Jokic and the i don't want to say similarly but if you want to run stuff through your center um the mason plumley can do that i don't know what the defensive drop off is going to be there i would argue that maybe from a stationary position he's better than Jokic, but in like like in terms of mobility he's a downgrade there so uh rob is with me good i'm glad someone agrees with me it's almost i was doing look shout out to our podcast listeners and even i thought youtube was mean but Grant and I were doing the uh, Bleacher Report live stream the other day, which we're going to be doing that if anyone's still listening to this point. Uh, Five thirty Eastern time, trade deadline day, winners and losers. So come hang out with us there. We'll also be going live at probably eleven PM Eastern time to do our own podcast reacting to the trade deadline. So mark all that down. Um, but they were man, the commenters were brutal. They did not, they did not like us, and they did not like my appearance. They were making fun of uh, me having spiky hair that I guess wasn't thick enough to to their liking um so they it was and it was there was more than one comment so thank you for everyone who's just like even the youtubers who are normally mean at least they're just criticizing my basketball takes rather than my appearance except when i get called to emo to cover the nba so that was quite the experience i'll stay on for a couple more minutes if anyone has any other questions they want me to get to i know we don't have as many people in here as we normally do between um twitter and youtube it is i mean it's a little bit it's definitely later on the east coast i thought people would be more interested in the the Russell trade to the, to the Lakers, but um, that's just a, I'm so interested to watch the Lakers now. And I haven't seen if we, uh, if LeBron has tweeted yet, because he's been very quick to tweet when stuff doesn't go his way. Um, but has he tweeted about this trade? yet? Someone have to let me know since I can't really be up on Twitter right now. Kyrie is apparently killing it in his Mavs debut. So this is going to be, you know, where he tricks everyone to think everything's gonna be fine before it sort of implodes. Uh, another question from Joseph Cruz is sharp. Does Charlotte have a chance? In top five picks in the draft, or maybe um, Wemby or Scoot. Yeah. I mean, let's let me bring up their tankathon odds uh, or tankathon odds right now. So if the season ended today, they're going to have the fourth best lottery odds. So could they, if you're wondering, can they out tank and get into the, you want to get into one of the top three spots so that the odds are flattened? Can they catch up to, I think, Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit are the bottom three teams? Yeah. They're tied in the lost column with the Spurs, and so look, if you're Charlotte, that's that's your incentive to be like Mason Plumlee gone. Let's get rid of, let's even get rid of PJ Washington at this point. But you could end up with top three lottery odds, which will give you the best chance of landing a Wemby or Scoot, even though it won't be guaranteed. So yeah, there. I'll be look. Quite frankly, right now, I'd probably be shocked if the Hornets don't have a bottom five record just because the teams in front of them, like I don't think Orlando or Indy is going to actively tank. And then the Lakers, the wizards are all trying to win blazers trying to win the thunder and uh, the thunder and maybe the Pacers kind of, or thunder and the Raptors maybe are like sort of in that in between. We'll have to see what Toronto does at the the deadline, but there's not as much of a clump when you're looking at the bottom of the league. So like, yeah, there's Charlotte's locked in, I would say to the fourth worst record, Joseph, they have 41 losses um, through 56 games the next team, the next worst team is the Orlando magic that has 33 losses through 55 games. And so like, we're talking about an eight loss lead there. The Hornets would have to go on a caps lock run. If you're worried about out tanking some of the, um, some of the, uh, like uh, other teams, then yeah, like you're, you're in a rush to move things. But if you're worried about the Hornets winning too many games to fall out of a top five spot, I think, I think you're fine. I think, like if they, if for any reason, I found- siri be quiet please god um if for any reason the hornets don't finish with a top five record something weird has happened somewhere charlotte ripped off a crazy winning streak or more likely i would have to applaud the tank jobs of the like the pacers or the magic or the wizards who have 29 like yeah there's just don't, don't worry joseph the hornets are locked into a bottom four record and they have a real chance there's So, the four worst teams are the Hornets, 15 and 41, the Spurs, 14 and 41, the Pistons, 14 and 42, and the Rockets at 13 and 42. You could feasibly end up being the worst team in the league. But if I had to predict, will they finish with a bottom three record? I think it's going to be hard to out tank San Antonio, Detroit, and Houston so long as you're playing everybody. Now, if we get into, thank you for the kind words, Rob. um, uh, Especially, but if you're trying to out tank those other teams and you have, Lamelo, who i know has been banged up a ton this season uh, like you have players that are probably helping you win a little bit more and like the coaching with steve clifford is definitely a better coach than looking at steven silas I'd, I'd probably even rank him above dwayne casey at this point i'm not going to put him above pop but the spurs are just so barren of experience and they are i would guess they they're a team to watch the trade deadline now too um they are someone that's like going to be i would say materially worse after the trade down like between Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, and Jakob Purtle, I think at least two of those guys get moved, or at least one. Josh Richardson seems like the one that everybody should want. And could the Spurs, would they be willing to get rid of him for you know a few seconds and just like salary or whatever? They can draw up their return because they have cap space if they're willing to take on bad money. Um, maybe one of the funniest challenge trades would be like Josh Richardson, Zach Collins, and Doug McDermott for Ben Simmons, and like let's just try to rehab Ben Simmons' value and san antonio so this was a lot of fun everyone who joined us you made it this far and have not subscribed yet to youtube or on your podcast player hit that sub button on youtube subscribe to us on apple spotify stitcher whatever we do put out a lot of content here um we're podcasting a lot lately and i'm sure it's going to pull back after the deadline i am i will say i'm excited to be able to i like focusing on new fits and i do love the trade deadline but i'm excited to be able to like it's really hard to and I still have, I've done it, but it's like really hard to watch basketball this time of year while you're also running around and writing and podcasting and trying to track all this different, different stuff. And so I'm a little bit more like frenetic and tired than it normally am. so I'm like kind of looking forward to um, the end of this week and like being able to focus more on what's happening um, on, on the court, but it's always fun to to do these things. We'll have to try and I think we'll try and do more live streams just in the future um, since they do seem to play fairly well on, on YouTube. Hopefully they're not insufferable to, uh, listen to in podcast form for our listeners who are doing it audio. But again, subscribe. If you've done all that, tell people about us, shout outs on Twitter, retweeting our promos, sharing our podcast, just whatever you do to help us continue to grow the community. And again, join our discord uh, day. De- I know Dale Muka's is in here. He can attest one of the driving forces behind um, how fun our discord is. So go join discord. Link is in the podcast and YouTube description. Thank you all for listening. This was a blast. And until next time, we shout out to one, the only, the key X Factor to the Mavericks Championship hopes, Frank Mueller.